All right. Hey, welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream for Thursday, March 10th, 2022. I'm Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of FootballOutsiders.com. Mike Tanier is here. Scott Spratt is here. And this is the last of our big free agency preview shows. We've done eight divisions. This is our eighth division. But before we get to previewing the AFC West, we uh, have to do the same thing we did yesterday, which is talk about a trade in the wrong division. Because we did the AFC South show yesterday, and then five or ten minutes after we got done, Carson Wentz was traded to the Washington Commanders by the Indianapolis Colts. And I would be remiss if I did not share with all of you, whether you are watching on Twitch or Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, no matter where you are watching or listening to this exciting podcast slash live stream, I would be remiss if I did not bring you the Carson Wentz-related musings of one Mike Tanier. Well, you all remember the Sam Darnold trade last year? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. This is the Sam Darnold trade on horse tranquilizers. <laughs> <laughs> this is take every element of that trade and make it worse. Make it something that actively hurts both teams. The commanders overpaid for a player who is going to hurt them. And the Colts voluntarily left themselves with no quarterback and no first or second round pick as they move forward, because that's how eager they were to get rid of Carson Wentz. And I'll, I'll say what I was saying before we came on here. You know, we talk about this criticism. Carson Wentz does not handle criticism well. Right. That's not Mike Tanier telling you that. That's not the internet telling you that. That's Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard last week on the podium, his boss, Carson Wentz's boss, told you this young man does not handle criticism. He's hearing everything we hear right now. He's hearing Washington Commanders fans are livid about this trade. He's hearing Eagles fans guffaw. He's eagle hearing Colts fans. I think there's a 5 or 10% chance Carson Wentz doesn't even make it to the start of this season without retiring, you know, doing something that says, this is not for me anymore. So that's my take on this right now. There's a slim chance that we don't even see Carson Wentz come September. I will say in Sam Darnold's defense, and I'm not sure it. if this Love is <laughs> Sam Darnold's problem was that he sucks, mm -hmm. not that he is a bad locker room presence who can't take criticism Right. So I, I guess I'm I'm criticizing uh, Sam Darnold's abilities as an NFL quarterback, but I'm I'm uh, complimenting his psychology. <laughs> so could, could you potentially combine Sam Darnold and Carson Wentz and get one effective quarterback out of him? Or one very, very ineffective quarterback who probably should never see the field in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. The good and evil Captain Kirk, that's what you get. I mean, you know, what, I, what I've pointed out is Carson Wentz's numbers last year are fairly average for the NFL. They were 20th in passing DVOA as a team. And the problem with Wentz is the on-field performance is better than people think he is. it is. He right. does not constantly give the ball to the other team. Like there were a couple of very, very high profile interceptions last year, but he actually was pretty good at protecting the football. The problem with Carson Wentz is off the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the stuff that we don't normally deal with. Right. right. As I, I've said, you know, if I understood what was going on in these guys' brains, I would have called my site football psychologists instead of football <laughs> outsiders. But everybody is very obviously plain about this, right. that that the problem with Carson Wentz is off field stuff. And I I'm shocked that the Colts got something in return. Right. And I'm, I'm shocked any team listened to those press conferences last week and said, oh, let's pick up the phone and get this guy, because it was 
all the stuff I used to sort of joke and hint about on here is about his, you know, his leadership, about his. The Colts basically came out and said it's now on the public record. So I'm like, I don't feel muzzled in any way to say it. And for the, the commander to say, oh, yeah, we're the organization with our track record and, and, and the way we're run. We're going to turn this thing around. It's shocking. I, I don't know why you're so surprised about the desperation that teams are having that don't have a quarterback right now. I mean, just look at Darnold's team. Look at the entire NFC South, right? You've got three teams that don't have a quarterback in the division. And with the way the dominoes are falling, are they just going to fight over Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, you know, you're running out of options. I think by the end of this, someone like Mitchell Trubisky yeah. is going to be starting for the Panthers. I, I just don't really see another way out of it. Trubisky would have been a better option than Wentz. Trubisky is a better option than Wentz. Kenny Pickett is a better option than Wentz at this point. I don't think Kerry Pickett has a high shelf, but you're not actively bringing somebody in who basically caused turmoil in the last two front offices because they're the ones who took a risk on him. The Eagles front office and, and coaching staff exploded, and the Colts front office and coaching staff nearly exploded because of this young man. So you throw those factors in, and you say, yes, give us Trubisky because it's not an outlay of draft picks. It's less money. And we're not getting somebody who we actively are hearing from everybody. Please don't bring this guy onto our team. I mean, I would have held out until the Garoppolo trade happened and maybe for Trubisky before I thought about doing this. But certainly, like, I'm surprised the Garoppolo domino doesn't fall first because that's the guy everybody wants. Easier said than done when you're a head coach in your third year with the team. True for Washington, also true for Carolina. Those guys are getting fired this year unless they win games. So it's it's hard to play chicken when that's your circumstances, even if that's not good for the long-term health of the team. Yeah. I, I definitely understand that there, um, you know, it, it's surprising which coaches are willing to go through rebuilds and which ones aren't. And I mean, I guess when you've got, when you're 70 and you have job security, like Pete Carroll, you can go right. through a rebuild. If you're Mike rule or even Ron Rivera, you're not really doing that. Yeah. I can see Rivera, like my, his, reputation in this league is so golden it's like yeah if i lose this one another train will come or i'll become a coordinator or something like that rule like you said has got to do something or else we'll never see him in the nfl again all right let's talk about a much better run nfl team although (laughs) uh, i mean they're better run although let's be honest part of being better run is getting the best quarterback in the league 12th 10th in the draft 10th in the draft So let's start by AFC West by talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and what they're going to do with free agency and the draft. They do have a good number of free agents on their team, although they franchise tagged Orlando Brown, the left tackle. I made their top five free agents list all defensive players, but uh, I will point out that on offense, that Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle are both free agents, which is, you know, basically their second and fourth receivers. And also all of their backup offensive linemen are free agents pretty much. Like they have like a bunch, like their starters are all fine, but their backups are all free agents. So there's a lot of uh, figuring out who to sign that Kansas City needs to do. They're actually 9 million over the cap, according to overthecap.com, although they can get, very under that with restructures. Uh, I think they're going to probably think about cutting Frank Clark, who has never quite <laughs> been what they wanted him to be. Although three, three straight Pro Bowls, though, been <laughs> better than D Ford. They replaced D Ford with Frank Clark, mm-hmm. and Kansas City got the better player out of the, that exchange. Right? right, D Ford has done really done nothing in San Francisco. Ford had one good year there. 
he did have one good year, but then he's always an injury case. And yeah, Clark is gone. And that's going to be a big chunk of them getting under the cap. I think the question when we look at this is there's getting under the cap. Is there getting under the cap enough to sign the top guys on this list? Um, Honey Badger and Shavaris Ward. And the name that keeps coming up is Ward. Ward is one of those young cornerbacks like JC Jackson, et cetera, who there's probably going to be a, a stratospheric market for. And Ward is a guy who's probably going to get priced out of the Chiefs price range in free agency. Yeah, I mean, I think Matthew might get priced out too. I'm seeing that Aaron Wilson of Pro Football Network, he doesn't think the Chiefs are going to be able to retain Matthew either. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, he and Ward maybe the two of the three or four best players at their position available in free agency. It's it's pretty tough. And I mean, I've always struggled with safeties coming kind of with a statistical leaning, figuring out what makes them good and like which ones are good. I think it's pretty obvious that Matthew is ex- extremely good. He allowed 3.9 yards per target last year, was the fourth lowest among safeties with eight or more starts, 9.5% missed tackle rate. He's just, he's amazing because he contributes in all aspects of defense, which is something you don't usually get from a safety. I think he could get a lot of money from a team like, I don't know, maybe the Ravens or something. He's tremendously versatile. He can do a lot of different things for you. He's known as a very good locker room presence. Like everything is very positive on him. So he's going to be really tough to keep. It's interesting. I'm not sure. I'm not as sanguine about the, the, the Matthew market. I think some teams see him as an older guy. Some teams see him as a not as a great system fit. Positive locker room reputation. I don't think that permeates the entire league. I think some are worried about him. And you mentioned the Ravens. Ravens don't have any money. Um, teams are I, I, the, the guy who's going to probably get more uh, interest is going to be Ward because of his youth, because of his position. I'm not going to say there's a huge chance that the, the Chiefs get Matthew back. They could get him back. He could look at the market, hear a bunch of one-year prove-it type deals, come back and say, well, one-year prove-it type deal, I'll go back to the Chiefs and pursue another ring. If the Chiefs don't bring these guys back, they are absolutely going to need to sign guys. I don't think they want to go into the season with like rookie strong safety and a rookie nickelback. But at corner, they have Legereus Sneed and Rashad Fenton. But Ward and Hughes are free agents. And at safety, both Matthew and I mean, I realize we all make fun of him during the season because he gives up big plays. Daniel (laughs) Sorensen. But that's still a guy you have to replace. If you want to play three safety defenses, you need to have three safeties, not one safety. Like they can't have just Juan Thornhill. Like there need to be other guys. So like Sorensen goes elsewhere, you know, which I don't know who's going to want him, but you know, he, he that the defensive back is a place where they need, like they want to add edge rushers and they they're worried about their pass rush, but defensive back is, is, is about to get kind of peeled off in free agency. I think Daniel Sorensen missed 25% of his tackles last year. Oh like, God. honestly, his bad play talking. his bad play is going to make Melvin Ingram look really good because Ingram showed up right about the time Juan Thornhill mm-hmm. came into the lineup, and it's like, wow, the team got really good defensively after that. It's kind of <laughs> hard to figure out who was totally responsible for that. Frankly, that's when Frank Clark started playing really well too. So, you know, intriguing bunch of moves there for the team. Bill Houston uh, says Landon Collins, who was cut today by the commanders, might be an interesting replacement for Matthew. I don't think Collins is as good in pass coverage. You know, Collins at this point is really more of a linebacker. Like Washington really kind of played him straight at linebacker last year with Bobby McCain as the safety. He's a great replacement for (laughs) Sorensen. Yes. I'm a better better replacement for, I mean, you know, like against the run and stuff. I mean, he's better. He can play that role and upgrade that role. The question is, I don't know what the market's going to be for Landon Collins. Could be a solid market for that. It's a very cash-strapped 
situation for the Chiefs right now. They can clear some things. They're going to get rid of Clark. They're going to get compliant. But, you know, if you say make an extension at Hughes, because Hughes you might be able to afford at cornerback, so you get a guy back that you have some sort of faith in. Every time you you say we're going to sign one guy, you're going to lose another guy or two along the way. I think what they're going to have to do is try to go after veterans who want the ring and say, take the discount, take the incentive-laden deal, and see if you're willing to do that. Yeah, I mean, like I feel like Justin Houston as like an edge rusher, some of the veteran guys, maybe Jerry Hughes. I mean, he, he would have as good a chance if he stayed with the Bills maybe. But yeah. some of those veterans may be willing to take a little bit of a discount to play in such a, a good chance to win the Super Bowl. I think maybe those guys could, could make sense for the team if they end up losing Ingram. Right. Yeah, Bill, Bill Houston says Fenton will replace Ward as a starter on the outside. Yeah, but you need you need more corners than just Snead and Fenton. You're still going to need cornerbacks. You're just yeah. – even if Ward goes, you need a nickelback and you need a fourth guy. I mean, maybe you can draft one of those spots, but I don't think you want to have rookies at both of them. Got to beat the Bills and Bengals. Got to beat the Bills and Bengals. That's yeah. the goal. You're not a rebuilding team. You have to Not to it. mention the Broncos and Chargers. Yes. Yeah. Yep. With very fine quarterbacks. And on offense, I would think that they can fill their holes with draft picks, right? They can – you can get – the wide receiver class is so deep, you could find someone in the second or third round, and that person could walk right in for Demarcus Robinson and start opposite Hill and probably be fine. Well, that's what they thought about McCole Hardman, though. So sometimes mm-hmm. you don't land the player that's really ready for that type of opportunity. So it's it's tough. In Hardman, I think they were seeking the Tyreek Hill Jr. Like, let's get another screeny guy. You know, let's get another reversey guy. If you go into this, you can get a variety of different types of receivers in this draft. Um, So you could get more of a traditional slot. There are guys who could play on the outside. Also, they're losing uh, the backup tight end, Blake Bell, who's also their Wildcat quarterback in fourth fourth and one situations. That was a joke. Um, (laughs) It was a sad joke for Chiefs. (laughs) Anyway, tight ends are also available. If you want to say, well, we need the Kelsey replacement, we want to go a little bit more 12, you could get out there in the third round, fourth round, probably get a playmaking tight end. Can yeah, I just mention like Noah yeah, Gray who took in the fifth round last year? I wouldn't be surprised if we see more Noah Gray next year. Okay. Can I just mention Jarek McKinnon? I know that it's probably not a, a time to talk about running backs, but he was kind of good in the postseason. He's an interesting free agent too. Right. Daryl Williams is also, by the way. Yep. So that's their second and third running backs are free agents. Or first and third, the, depending. Are, are, aren't we glad we drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round a couple <laughs> of years ago? Turn into just another guy. All right, let's move on to, I can't believe this is the second team in the AFC West, the Las Vegas Raiders. They they made the playoffs, kids, right? They are, they are, they are the number two team. Uh, uh, they certainly don't feel like the number two team right now, but... Well, uh, they have a, some good defensive free agents, uh, Casey Hayward, uh, both of their defensive tackles, Quentin Jefferson and Jonathan Hankins, and both of those guys as backups, Solomon Thomas and Darius Fillon, and then Gerald McCoy, who was supposed to start for them and missed the year with an injury. All five of those guys are free agents. Um, not on this list is Richie Incognito because Richie Incognito didn't really play this year, but he's a free agent also. Zay Jones and Deshaun Jackson are free agents as far as their wide receiver depth goes. So a good amount of free agents for the Las Vegas Raiders. They have $14 million in effective cap room, but that could be to $59 million with restructures. They're moving to a 3-4 defense under Patrick Graham, their new defensive coordinator. So I wouldn't be surprised if they cut some – 
off-ball linebackers, K.J. Wright probably doesn't come back, and they could probably save some money by cutting either Corey Littleton or Nick Kwiatkowski because their starting linebackers at this point are Perryman and Divine Diablo. Divine Diablo is not a good option as a starting linebacker, but you you, you mentioned them being second, in the, and they finished second, and they made the playoffs. Right now I have up the uh, AFC West uh, division winner odds. Uh, after the Wilson trade. So the division winner odds for the AFC West, Chiefs at plus 120, Broncos at plus 200, Chargers at plus 400, Raiders at plus 1,000. So uh, second place in the standings in 2021, last place in our hearts. And this free agent list is just a bad idea factory of guys that Mayock and Gruden brought in two or three years ago, maybe had a good year left in them, and were never part of a coherent plan in the first place, mostly. Yeah, Corey Littleton went from a 7.4 and 3.6% broken tackle rates, signed a big free agent deal, and went to 17.2%. So that one, did, that one did not work out. And he actually saved the team a lot of money if they could cut him with a post-June 1st designation. So I think that that's kind of a no-brainer for the team, even if they weren't switching defensive schemes. I'm loving it. Andrew, by the way, says to hammer the Chargers at plus 420. We'll get to the Chargers in a moment, but I, I do like those odds on the Chargers. Scott, are you saying that playing linebacker behind Aaron Donald and the defensive line they had for years at the Rams is different from playing off-ball linebacker behind this defensive line, which is full of, again, guys they grabbed off the free agent bargain bin? It, it does seem like a possibility. It happened with Nick Kwiatkowski as well from the Bears, so I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You know, Hayward is one of those guys, like each of these teams has an older cornerback or two that we're going to get to. Like everybody loaded up at cornerback like two or three years ago to stop Patrick Mahomes in the first place. And now those guys are all coming into free agency. They're all in the 30 to 30 something range. And all these teams still need to stop Patrick Holmes, Mahomes and each other. But now they have to come up with a different plan at cornerback. Some teams drafted good cornerbacks. The Raiders drafted cornerbacks. But anyway. The Raiders will definitely have to go out if they're switching to a 3-4. They're going to have to go out and get interior defensive linemen and new kinds of interior defensive linemen that are not, you know, not a pass rusher like a Quinton Jefferson, but, you know, 3-4 type interior defensive linemen. So they're going to need to make some ads there. Wide receiver also, they've got Renfro and Edwards, but they need a third starter if Zay Jones leaves. Deshaun Jackson, you know, it feels like Deshaun Jackson is still fast. God, doesn't it just feel like he should do more than he does? I, I don't know. Can I? I feel like Zay Jones secretly got kind of good last year, so not as fast. How as How did that Jackson. happen? Not not as fast as Deshaun Jackson, but four four six forty. The guy's pretty quick. He went from an eleven point one yard average depth of target the three previous years to fourteen point zero last year. Was eighth highest among regular wide receivers and was above average in DVOA. I mean. This is a team that's going to probably draft the speedster because I feel like they're just going to want to try to find a real Henry Ruggs replacement. But Zay Jones did a pretty good job in that role last year. Uh, CCX3 says lots of Devontae buzz. Uh, Devontae uh, Wyatt, you mean, right? CCX3? I'm trying to think which Devontae are we talking about there. I'm, I'm trying to remember which of the Georgia linemen, if that's what uh, CCX3 is. He uh, might, maybe he meant Devontae Parker, but spelled it like Devontae Adams. Maybe it's Russell Westbrook in place of Russell Wilson. <laughs> I was going to say the Devondre Campbell. This is a team. We'll get to the team that needs Devondre Campbell in a second. Oh, Devondre be- Adams was franchise, no. so he's not going anywhere. He's not leaving Green Bay. No, 
I thought you meant Devontae Wyatt, like in the first round to come in and be sort of one of those uh, 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 three, four linemen. And I think he could do it. I think of him as more of a penetrator, but he's like one of these big guys who could play the outside end there. Uh, by the way, that means three, four, that means Max Crosby is going to be a linebacker, right? That's how that's going I would to assume be. that Max Crosby and Yannick Nagakwe become outside linebackers. Outside yes. linebackers. It's just a rebuilding effort. It's, a, it's everything else besides those two guys is a rebuilding effort on that defense. So, and in the first round, they could go speed. I mean, a guy like Alave could be sitting there when they draft. That's that's one possibility. Um, I think we need to talk about what the like broader game plan is for this team, right? I mean, you you figure that 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 the new head coach comes in, he's trying to win, but when the Broncos get a quarterback, and suddenly this division has eight. Like three of the the top eight quarterbacks in the league, and you have Derek Carr, and he's not that. What are they just going to try to win, and then just probably not quite get there? I mean, you mentioned the divisional odds. This what? this is kind of like this to me screams like it should be a rebuild, but I'm I'm guessing they're not going to. And obviously, they didn't they didn't entertain offers to trade Derek Carr apparently to Washington. Right, they're going to do the same thing they've done for the last three years. Actually, I mean, what I think we're going to see, what I expect to see, is a McDaniel's purge because a purge is necessary. And to use this as a rebuilding team that we just haven't seen it yet because goofing around between eight and nine and nine and eight for another year. First of all, I don't think they can do it. I don't think they have the talent to do that as this division improves. And secondly, where, where does that get anyone? Yeah, you 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 would expect, though, that if they were going to reach start like that, that maybe they would entertain trading car. Yeah. Uh, to really restart. But again, if you still, this is the same problem you always have with quarterbacks, which is if you trade him, what do you replace him with? Like, do you feel like if you spend a year rebuilding and 2023 comes, Carr's a good guy to have as your quarterback still? He's still got a few years left in him. And he's, he may not be a top eight quarterback, but he's definitely a top 15 quarterback. Right. Do, do, do the Raiders win 10 games in any of the next three years with Derek Carr? If a phenomenal rebuild happens, and they they could possibly do it. I mean, they, they yeah, it really depends on this year's draft. And, yeah. and um, Val Halen o five two o asks, what kind of wide receiver would Josh McDaniels want? Would he want Christian Kirk? Would he want Allen Robinson? I actually think neither. Like, I think you need speed, like a, like a true X type receiver. Again, kind of looking for the rugs replacement. Although I, I just he hasn't, that's not something he's really gone after in New England. Right. Well, I mean, I'm. I guess I'm thinking more about the the pieces that are already there, and thinking about Derek Carr and like his his newfound willingness and ability to stretch the field and get those DPI calls. Right. Is you have Hunter Renfro's like really good, but he's like a short area quickness guy. They don't really have anybody to take the top off of defenses right now. Yeah, we're stuck with the fact that he was part of the Patriots thing, picking Patriots receivers. They tend to be poorly slot receivers. The guys Brady like. I'm not sure what McDaniel's really likes at wide receiver at this point. I'd like to take a chance on Allen Robinson if he might be affordable in this market. I don't know about Kirk because I think he duplicates Renfro. But and, and, and McDaniel spoke and we got you got less than nothing out of him at the combine. Like all of these new GM conversations are, are pretty useless. He was just or new coach when he's he's you know showrunner. He was blander than the blandest bland. He was listening to paint dry and he offered nothing in terms of what the plan is there. So, Mike, Benjamin Robinson of Grinding the Mocks has 51% of mocks have a wide receiver in the first round Mm -hmm. and tab Chris Olave and Jamison Williams as possible fits. I mean, Williams as the the speed guy makes a lot of sense to me. But, like, what are your thoughts there as maybe moving in the draft? Both of them make sense. Williams, it'd be a redshirt year. That'd be part of a rebuild. He's coming off of an ACL tear in, like, December. 
uh, late. Alave, I think I just mentioned him as a, as a likely candidate there. I think he'd probably be sitting there. He ran extremely well. He is the vertical guy. I think that makes sense there. How much of it on March 10th is mock science, where you try to take a sexy guy and put him in that position rather than what the team is really looking for? I think it's possible. I think, as what Aaron's been pointing out, too, changing that defensive lineup is also a possibility in that first round. And that's where we go back to we don't know what McDaniels really thinks of his roster right now and where they're going to go. And I'll remind people that if you go back on the podcast feed of the Football Outsiders Podcast Network, the Tuesday initial draft show, Mike and Derek Klassen debated Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So if you want to know more about Olave, there is a lot of Olave talk on Tuesday's show. A lot of Olave. Before All we right, move on, can we talk yeah. about Marcus Mariota just like as a broader quarterback prospect? Like legit, like we're talking about Trubisky potentially getting – I would rather have Mariota than Trubisky. Right, like, so he had an 11.1% passing DVOA one year, never worse than 13.2%. It seems like he's a pretty capable guy. I feel like injuries were maybe more the the deterrent than skill, but Mike is is clearly about to make fun of me, so I want to hear it. (laughs) The best best ability is availability. Mariota has gone out there. He literally went out there on a Thursday night, had this big, two big touchdown drives, and got injured by the end of the night. So – I think a healthy Mariota is a better quarterback than Trubisky. I agree. We haven't seen a healthy Mariota. He hasn't been able to be healthy in training camp. He hasn't been a a reliable backup. So I think a team might take a chance on him, but, you know. He might be the right guy to be a bridge quarterback for a rookie who you don't want to play, but if you you don't mind playing if Mariota gets hurt. Like whoever takes Malik Willis takes Mariota. Yeah, so in other words, Panthers, Kenny Pickett, Marcus Mariota ticket. Let's let's call it in right now. <laughs> you, uh, by the way, you want a quick prop? I don't want to make this longer than it has to be. Let's, yeah. No, no, tell us. Quick prop. First quarterback selected in the draft, Malik Willis at minus 175, Kenny Pickett at plus 195. Oh, I, I so I love Pickett. Do you, because you, like, the Panthers connection, obviously, like Matt Rule, I think, recruited him. And then plus you have the the owner that is a pit booster. So I feel like mm-hmm. there's a lot of love there. And the Panthers are the most desperate team with like a top seven or eight pick. So give I me a pick like, for sure. I do like Willis to be the first quarterback off the board. But those odds, I'm shocked at the gap that's between huge, Willis and Pickett. That's a huge gap. But I'm looking at the teams ahead of the Panthers. And I'm not seeing a team that's saying we're going to jump on Malik Willis because we love his potential there. Uh, so if it gets to the Panthers, I think that's the move. We'll know more in two or three weeks. But I'm thinking of just throwing a little at the plus 195 now and seeing what happens. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you all the way, Mike. All right. Los Angeles Chargers. Let us talk about them. They are the team with the most cap room in the division. Uh, $35 million in effective cap room that can get up to $80 million with restructures. Uh, their free agents are heavily on the defense, but also on the offense. Jared Cook is a free agent. Um, Ode Abouche and Michael Schofield. And so like all their right guards, they're going to need a new guard, but mostly defense. And of course they are the team with the biggest screaming need (laughs) now that Denver has traded for Russell Wilson they need interior defensive linemen who can stop the run very, very, very badly. Like they need to channel the ghost of Dave Gettleman. (laughs) Most of the time, right? Analytics criticizes, criticizes that kind of move. But 
Uh, they need that. Like I, 95,000 mocks have put Jordan Davis of the Georgia Bulldogs on this team. Yes. Shots. I'm not dead. Shots. 43.6% of mocks, to be exact, have a round one defensive tackle, according to grinding the mocks. So. I'm shocked that it is not higher. <laughs> by, by the way, um, you mentioned the, the cap numbers. That's including the Mike Williams deal. Mike Williams mm-hmm. now has a cap number of $14 million. They signed him, signed him to a logical contract, I think. So not only do they have a lot of cap space, but they took care of probably their biggest in-house priority, which is getting Mike Williams locked up. So as I look at these guys, you know, Chris Harris can still play. He's sort of a slot specialist. I think he's on the downside of his career. Um, Linville Joseph, eh, you know, I don't think he's a real system fit with what they're doing here. Jared Cook is kaputz. We need to get away from him. This is a team, the only team in this division, that can actually splash in free agency. And they could go out and try and get another run plugger in addition to whoever they get in the draft. They could go out and try and get Damakong Su and use him as like a 30-snap guy. Or they can make the move, which I talked about in walkthrough, getting Shavarius Ward from the Chiefs, hurting the Chiefs while helping themselves by getting an extra cornerback. Joey Sucks says, what is their highest after defensive tackle? I assume he means their highest need. There really are two. One is a cornerback to replace Harris if Harris leaves. The other is a right tackle to either play if Brian Bulaga is injured or replace Bulaga after he has one year left on his contract. Also, kind of a cut candidate, $10.8 million in savings, and he's only played, what, 11 games the last two years? I think think he's at risk. I know they have cap room. If they do choose to cut him, I know they have cap room, but it, like if they want to bring back, you know, Nuosu or, or anyone like that, I think that that might change the the thing here. Yep, and they could use depth at all of the the skill position. Uh, they're not particularly deep behind the biggest names there at, at most of the skill position. An edge rusher. The, if Nuosu does leave, they'll need an edge rusher opposite of Bosa. Yeah, because I Bosa I think had forty pass pressures. Nuosu had thirty, and then no one else on the team had twenty five. I mean, maybe not even twenty. But there's definitely guys here where it's like, if you're Nuosu, you know, I mean, go back. They have the money to pay you. It's a good team. Mm-hmm. Go back. Yeah, Aaron right. Wilson reported that they they want to bring him back. Nuosu likely back. Yeah, I can see that. And again, you're going to see some of these guys hit a market and find a market that's still kind of wobbly because not a lot of teams have a ton of cap space and possibly come back on one-year deals or even re-sign two- or three-year deals. And this is a team that, I think guys will want to come back to if the offer's there. Now you talked about their their big needs. I you see a lot of rumors about them going after the big ticket cornerbacks like the yeah. JC Jacksons and Charvarius Wards. Yes. Yeah. And like I'm wondering if you like that or do you think this team it has like a lot of blue chip players at premium positions. Like, would you think it makes more sense to kind of spread out the cap money or or would you go after like one of the big guys? I feel like those guys are worthy upgrades, position of need. On this team, you're going to have Samuel at one side, that them on the other side. Remember, Harris, mm-hmm. even if he returns, is a nickel, essentially, uh, you know, ideally, mm-hmm. and 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 that's such a quick upgrade. And again, I think you can solve defensive line in the draft. And there's not a marquee stud defensive tackle. There's a bunch of like 30 year olds. Okay, so I would like I would really like to see them make one of those moves. Put that in there. Get the one blue chip because I think they can solve most of their other problems through lower free agency or through the draft. It's like, do you really want the guys we were just talking about how the Raiders aren't going to resign? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jonathan Hankins, you, know you, you could get Jonathan Hankins and then you, you put him next to a really big a rook, you know, rookie. But you, right. if you sign Jonathan Hankins, that's not a splash. That's all right. Well, we know we need some defensive tackles. Yeah. It's like one year incentive laden 
$4 million. You're going to play 25 snaps as a space eater and rotate with this other kid. They have the luxury. I think they can do some of those things and they can do that. Some of those things and afford making a splashy move for a Jackson or a Ward. But you got to save enough money for the Melvin Gordon reunion. I think that that's a clear one. (laughs) The Broncos are not letting him go. The Broncos love (laughs) Melvin Gordon too much. They will not. He's too good in the locker room. I was saying, uh, I know Michael Davis, you're talking about cornerbacks. Doug, I think Doug Farrar really likes Michael Davis. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but if they got the big splash at corner, then Michael Davis becomes the slot corner. Right. Um, So that, you know, they could definitely use that big splash. They've got, uh, that would give them three good cornerbacks with uh, Michael Davis and Asante Samuel. Is this so? I don't really know this as well as probably Mike does. Isn't Asante Samuel kind of small? Isn't he a slot corner? I think he. I think he is a smaller guy. I think he could be a slot corner. But he's like um, flexible positionally. A little more flexible. And Harris is flexible too. It's just as he's getting older, the idea. Harris is thirty-three years old. Yeah. 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 Sam, Samuel could definitely be a slot. You may want to instead of having a slot corner and a nickel corner, have a tall guy corner and a short guy corner. Mm-hmm. Guy, <laughs> yeah. Right. Debo matchup guy and 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 Miko matchup guy, and that's that's ideal if you've got everything you ever want in a, in a roster. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with, we were talking earlier about the Chargers plus 420. I mean, the Chargers just jump out as like team undervalued team on the rise that should have been better than nine and eight last year, right? Like based on DVOA, the most undervalued team for over-unders for next year was Seattle easily. That's completely blown up now. So after that, I think it's the Chargers. I mean, I there's just... We know quarterback play is the most consistent thing in football. They have a stud, stud, stud quarterback. Like, we love Brandon Staley's aggressiveness. Um, you know, they just seem like a really positive pick for next year um, based on the odds. Weren't they uh, number two in offensive DVOA? Better than Denver. Weren't they number two in offensive DVOA? I mean, they were. Um, that might have, been, pa- that might have been passing were, DVOA, but if, like, yeah, if they weren't number two, they were really close to that. Yeah, I so, mean, I like them better than the Broncos, independent of odds. Yeah. By the way, it's, not, it's plus four hundred, not plus four twenty. Some of you viewers have four twenty on the brain. I'm not sure. From it's yeah, plus maybe 20. that's a different book. <laughs> yeah, book different Snoop. book. That's Snoop. That's Snoop Dogg's book, and Snoop Dogg's book is plus four twenty. <laughs> Everybody's plus four twenty though. God, there's so much interest in gambling these days. It's incredible. <laughs> the, uh, the Denver Broncos. Let's let's talk about the Denver Broncos. The, the cap room. I have like twenty two million listed, but I think that that's before the trade. That's before the Russell Wilson trade. I think so. it's after. No, it's after. They had, like 30, after? they had like thirty. They had like thirty nine before or something. And yeah. Good for them. Plus, they did. They ditched a lot of Drew Locke money, which was pretty impressive. <laughs> um, tangential question: Talking about Denver, are we surprised that Bill Carroll signed off on the Russell Wilson trade? Bill Carroll. Pete Carroll, is this indicative of his waning power again compared to John Schneider? At his age, why stay with a rebuilt Seattle? One of the great questions about the Russell Wilson trade is, why does Pete Carroll want in on a rebuild at the age of 70? Right. But I still think Pete Carroll has the power there, John, not John Schneider. I think that this was Pete Carroll's decision. Or I, was gonna least- say, I don't think Pete Carroll thinks of himself as being 70. Like I, I think he probably fully expects to coach for 10 more years and has the energy to do it. Yeah. And if it wasn't his decision, it was, he signed off of it and recognized this is the reality of the relationship between this player and the organization right now. 
And like for him to go fighting it in some way wasn't going to be useful to him. There's a long article in the athletic today about the sort of demise of the relationship between Carol and, and Wilson. Hmm. Is there anything to, sour. is there anything on the field to it though? Cause like, I think, while I think you're going to probably think that the, the finger injury had the most to do with it, but I think there are reasons to wonder whether Wilson might not be as good as he was a few years ago. And the case that I would kind of make is that he barely ran last year. And if he's not escaping in the pocket and throwing downfield, like, you know, what are his plus skills at quarterback at that point? Well, he's throwing downfield. He is throwing downfield. He's not. But two high safeties, Mike. You can't do it. You should know no, this. No one can stop that. Well, he's, he's been running a 2012 offense for the last nine years with no changes to it. If he's not as mobile as he used to be, he definitely needs to learn that. You can adapt like Steve McNair adapted as he got older. You can adapt to not being as mobile as you used to be. But you have to learn the lesson or you're going to take a lot of stuff. <laughs> have you, I mean, have you heard the comparison that Baker Mayfield is Russell Wilson without running? Like oh, what no. happens if Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson without running? Is he Baker Mayfield? Oh, I think Baker Mayfield can't throw down the field at all. Baker Mayfield cannot throw down the field at all. So I'm not sure. Okay. So you, you think this is completely a hundred percent relationship based trade. You want, I mean, if you want to say there's been some decline and also that like perhaps Wilson got set in his ways with some of his style that he was tuning out the coaches there. You know, sometimes a quarterback becomes a level of power there and knows how to get around what's, you know, what the coaches are asking him to, if he needed to change the senior, I agree there. I don't think that Wilson's skills are deteriorated to a level that like is a, is a real level for concern. There also may have been just the deterioration of the rest of the roster. They may have looked at the rest of the roster and said, okay, Russell can lift us to 10 and seven. Right. But there isn't that much, the rest of the roster, like let's do a rebuild year. But but your guy Teddy Bridgewater was top ten in DVOA last year. How much better can Russell Wilson really be? Is that I mean, question? Bridgewater was Bridgewater <laughs> was better than people think last year, right? I mean, again, I, I keep saying this about Denver. Denver played very slowly last year, and therefore, in efficiency numbers, their offense is better than you think, and their defense is nowhere near as good as you think because there just were fewer plays. The offense played really slowly. That meant that the defense didn't face as many plays as other teams. They had a better starting line of scrimmage than other teams. Like when it comes to actually giving up yards and first downs, their defense was very average. It was not. Their defense was third in points allowed. And so people think Russell Wilson has gone and joined a team with a top five defense. That he has not joined a team with a top five defense. This is not a top five defense. What he's joined is a team with a better offensive line than he's leaving in Seattle, I think. Yes. And more diverse playmakers than, uh, you know, the, the big two and nothing else, which is what he's leaving in Seattle. And I, think and, and I mean, pieces to believe the defense can be better this year, right? Bradley Chubb, healthy for the whole year. Um, well, uh, Patrick Sertain with another year of experience. Some of those pieces are on the list you're going to put up, though, in a moment. Yeah, let's put up the free agency list because they were missing their inside linebackers last year. Those guys were injured for the whole year. But guess what? They're both free agents. Ha, ha, ha. So uh, I did now – uh, right tackle Bob Bobby Massey. I didn't list here. He's also a big free agent. I, I listed just defensive players because I wanted to point out that they're miss they're losing a lot of major defensive players, including you know the two inside linebackers who didn't play last year. And I think that's two. It's in the secondary. I think I put the number in, in walkthrough whether that runs today or tomorrow. Over two thousand snaps there. Fuller, Callahan, Jackson. I believe someone else is 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 on the bubble there. Uh, so that's couple thousand snaps that they potentially have to replace. Both of those linebackers played well before getting hurt. 
which is why I get the impression that there's going to be offers put in front of Jewel and Johnson. Both of them played pretty well. One thing about Massey at right tackle, George Payton singled out unbidden that they need a new right tackle. There's not an interest in bringing back the guys who are there. One of the things that the Broncos are absolutely pursuing, whether it's a draft or free agency, is a right tackle. Yeah, I mean, he's missed time each of the last three years. So even though he still is effective when he plays, you feel like getting getting older, you probably want to move on at that point. I will say at linebacker, though, the third-round rookie last year, Baron Browning, I thought was kind of promising. So like that might be an internal option that's cheaper to start. You still need some defense, some some linebackers, but that may be somebody to replace one of them. Yeah, Interesting. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Mike, on yeah. the linebackers. Right. You might keep Jewel uh, homegrown, might not have as big a market. And Johnson played very well. Somebody might make a big surprising offer at him, and then you wind up losing him. Joey Sucks has an interesting comment. Are we sure Denver's line is better than Seattle's last year? Both were the same in ESPN's pass block win rate, 61%. It does feel, though, that like when you look at the subjectively at the talent, the Denver has Garrett Bowles, Dalton Risner, Graham Glasgow. Yeah, Cushionberry has not been as good as they wanted him to be. Right. And Massey wasn't that great, but um, – but I, it feels like Denver's got a better law. I mean, Dwayne uh, Brown uh, is excellent, you know, for Seattle. But, it, I, you know, it does feel like Denver has a better overall line. Yeah, that's the way I feel. But it's interesting that the pass block win rates were similar. I'm, that's a little surprising to me. Right. Right. So, yeah, and, and remember, we now have a Broncos team that just gave up its first-round pick. One of its two second-round picks, it picks at the very end of the second round right now. So as we look to improve them, yes, they've got some money. They can make some moves in free agency. They either get rid of just about everything you see here in front of you and go out in the free agency, trying to like rebuild the, the back end of their, of their defense, or they try and get some of these guys in the draft. It's a very tricky proposition. And that's why, you know, there is very much a give and take with the Russell Wilson trade. CCX three says the Trent Brown factor is the kicker in my opinion. Yeah, do you mean Dwayne Brown making Seattle's line better, or do you mean the really interestingly good idea of Trent Brown being yeah. signed as the right tackle in Denver because I believe he's a free agent for the Patriots? Yes, that would be a good yeah, – That think would be a good addition for Denver. Because every time Trent Brown disappears from the, the collective, the Patriots collective, he's like one of their coaches, and, he's, and, and he has to come back right away right. You know, before he turns into a pumpkin. But so, it's, on paper it looks good. I don't know. Do you want to send the signal to Russell Wilson that you want like a real run typing blocker on the offensive line? Well, you, want you want to pass, 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 it's right tackle, though. You can put that thumper at right tackle. Okay. Right? You know. And Melvin uh, Melvin Gordon I, uh, is also not on this list. He's obviously a free agent. We talked about him earlier. I'm hoping he's gone because I own Javante Williams in the <laughs> Dynasty League. And I'm a, I'm a North Carolina alum, so you know I want Javante to get tons of work. Yeah, they they love him. Somebody uh, on, on the chat said, oh, he must be the Carson Wentz of, of running back. No, no, no. They they actively love him, and he loves Denver. But he, he should be gone. He should pursue his next league minimum prove it i think i think gordon is underrated but yeah. javante williams led all running backs and avoided tackle rate last year so i sh there's there's not really a lot of reason to keep them unless if they it's, brought it's gordon deep. back williams needs to be the man like yeah, gordon he, needs to be he could be a star right right um bill houston says i would speculate that denver regresses on defense without fangio uh, I made great points yesterday about the defense benefiting from how time consuming Denver was on offense. Yeah, that's what makes that's part of what makes them not allow a lot of points last year. And I agree. 
New system usually means regression, and Fangio, I mean, I think we all believe still is a very strong defensive coordinator. I have no idea who, I honestly have no idea who Jiro Averro is. No idea. Not yeah, but the, this could also be a lot of new players, though. I mean, like first Sertan, second year, could be a real star. And then you're seeing this team connected to players like, well, Von Miller, obviously, but like Chandler Jones and Randy Gregory, too, or it's they have a shocking amount of cap room for a team that just traded for Russell Wilson. He makes kind of a lot less money than other guys uh, that are at the top of the position. So I'm not sure that we're done with what this team could be defensively. It could be a little bit retooled. Yeah, I I would agree with you. They they have holes that are opening up. They can fill those holes, but that puts them back where they started last year, really. And that's what makes them number two team in the division, which is was tricky about all of these things. And again, I, mean, I, yeah, just, I, I feel number three. I feel this is yeah. the number three team. Now, I I I am in disagreement with the Vegas odds about the Chargers versus the Broncos. Do the two of you agree with me? Yeah, I agree that the Broncos are the number three team in the division, but I also think that they have a chance to win the Super Bowl. I'll stick with them at number two, although I agree that there's helium in the odds right now. Um, but it's close there. I think those two teams are, are neck and neck. I'll be interested when the plus-minus over-unders for wins come out because I want to see where Vegas puts the Broncos because I still I still feel 10-7-ish and seven -ish about them, you know, maybe 11-6-ish and six -ish about them. By no means am I going to go above that. And – what does that get you in the AFC? It gets you get your ass kicked in Buffalo in January. Yeah, I I I agree with you, Scott. Like, even though I think they're the third best team in the division, I, I mean, I do think with Wilson at quarterback that they're a re legitimate contender. I just this division has three legitimate contenders in the third. Right. Yeah. And and now we can debate about which is better, the AFC West or NFC West. I think now that Seattle is in rebuilding land, I think the AFC West takes over as the best division in the NFL. I, I mean, that or the NFC South, I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Panthers are making a run. You want the Panthers' odds? Do you want Panthers' odds? For the division or for the Super Bowl? <laughs> I'm not going to be a Super Bowl, for heaven's sake. Division, that's different because it's such a, a poop I don't, show there. They should revoke that team's divisional berth in the playoffs, is, is my thought. Plus 400, Carolina Panthers. They have the same chance of winning their division as the Chargers have of winning theirs. Plus 400. I mean, I guess I get it. <laughs> Somebody has to win that division, either Taysom Hill, Sam Darnold, uh, Blaine Gabbert. Pre-agent Blaine Gabbert, yep. Or, yeah. or the ghost of Matt Ryan. <laughs> Not how, that either. How washed do you think Matt Ryan is? I, I've seen some people arguing very washed. I don't think very. I think fairly, fairly washed. Acid washed. If you were a team that needed a quarterback, one of these teams that needs a quarterback and feels like they're, you're just the quarterback away from competing, would you call up Atlanta and try to get him for two years? The money. The money. I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather get Kirk Cousins. Does that, does that kind of illustrate? Yes. <laughs> where, where the money is also high, yes. Yeah, but like, I'm well, actually you look at it because if you only took on the base salaries for Ryan, uh, you'd be looking at, 16 and 20 so that's 36 million that's actually somewhat manageable so maybe you're right i'd rather have kirk cousins it's the problem is the falcons are looking at they would have to eat about 50 million to get rid of him because it's all in bonus money so they, they they're not even motivated to, to, to move him. i will see uh say one really interesting uh i saw stat on twitter uh dak prescott is now the fourth longest tenured starting quarterback in the nfl 
That's how much quarterback turnover there's been in the last couple of years. Wow. That's amazing. That's a fifth year, what, fifth year, sixth year, six year starter, right? Uh, yeah. Think of where we were like three years ago before Brady left when Brady and Breeze and Roethlisberger were still and Russell and, and everything were, were still here. I think, I think that was not tenured on their current team. I think that right. was total tenure. So I think it was Rodgers and Ryan who had their first starts in 2008 and then Stafford uh, 2009 and then Dak. Well, Stafford's so this, not on the same team anymore, right? No, no, no. These were this oh, was total just tenure, total not start, just okay. on one. Oh, I thought this was, was tenure on team. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. I think then. this is total tenure. I think uh, may, may, maybe it was just tenure on team. I don't yeah, remember. Cousins goes back. Well, Cousins is thirteen or twelve. Yeah, Cousins goes back a little farther. Right. I guess it was tenure on team. Yeah, it's got to be tenure on team. But that's you know you lose Roethlisberger, you lose Breeze, you lose Brady, you lose. I know right. we've, we've lost, lost Rivers. Just, yeah, she lost Rivers. Right. Right. And it's all happened really in the last like four years. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Kessel 12, by the way, one more note, looking at football outsider stats, the one stat Wilson dominated Bridgewater in is Alex. Yes. Bridgewater, interestingly, threw deep much more than he ever had in the past, but not on third down. He, hmm. threw, he threw deep on like first, not right. on like third. On Hard third, he's still all new tricks, right? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. That's fascinating because because I, I would watch them later on and it's like he seems like the same old Bridgewater to me because there were so many third and twelves where it was a little check down a little check. He was down. throwing deeper on first, like far deeper than he had ever thrown before. <laughs> Brian Knowles says the list of the tenured quarterbacks is Rogers, Ryan, Carr, and Prescott longest tenure with one team. Right? We forgot about Derek Carr. Shocking. We forgot about Derek Carr. That's a good summary of the AFC West show. And we forgot about Derek. Forgot about Dre. Forgot about Carr. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching the AFC West free agency preview show. Thanks, Scott and Mike. Uh, Don't forget uh, Splash Play tomorrow, talking best ball drafts. The draft show with Derek and Mike at 1 o'clock Eastern on Tuesdays. Next week, Chad Reuter, special guest. Oh, that's awesome. Chad Reuter is a great guest, and this show will be going to just Thursdays. We'll be back next Thursday with JP, Kale, Mike, and me doing our free agency reactions. That'll be after two days of tampering period and one day of free agency. So uh, to everybody listening on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network or watching the show, thank you for listening and watching and commenting. And we will see you next Tuesday at 1 p.m. with Mike and Derek. And uh, have a good weekend, everybody. 